Hello and welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast. It's just Michael. I know. Is anyone even listening still? <laughs> anyway, I have a quick announcement, guys. Obviously, this is weird, right? Lauren's not here. Lauren has been sick this week. Um, he actually missed two days of work. It's crazy. He's always at work. So that was strange. Uh, but yeah, so he is recovering from a sickness. And also our crime line writer, uh, Sarah, has been um, at a, a, what do you call it, a destination wedding all week. So Lauren had to do the crime line, sick, and he's not really doing a good job. You know, he's kind of rusty. He probably hasn't, you know, he hasn't done one in a while. So, you know, he's got to kind of kind of pull himself up from his bootstraps and uh, get back at it. But uh, yeah, we didn't want to put out a half-assed Patreon episode this week. So we decided to release an old Patreon, the oldest Patreon episode we have as a freebie, um, as a treat for everybody. And obviously you won't hear the, the Patreon banter shit at the beginning and at the end, you freeloaders, because it, you know, it doesn't apply to you. You know, if you want to hear the original version, you have to, you have to join Patreon. And if Patreon people want to get, get all flustered about it, that's ridiculous because this episode's like two years old. So, you know, I mean, I I think, uh, getting episodes two years early is totally worth it. So there. So without further ado, this is our uh, John Wayne Gacy episode, our first ever Patreon episode, our first, first ever, 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 ever. So be nice, okay? Don't go in here leaving bad reviews, okay? This is from The Vault. This is two years ago, True, true Crime Guys. You guys remember those guys, right? How terrible they were? <laughs> All right, here we go. Roll the show. See you guys at the end. <laughs> <laughs> We realized by 1993 that 50% of the American families will be single-parented, and that shows a breakdown in the church and not being able to hold families together. And for this reason, children run away from home and seek love in other places. our case for this first ever premium episode none other than pogo the clown pogo the clown or maybe patches the clown or maybe patches which or maybe mr john wayne case which would you prefer if you're gonna be a clown pogo or patches uh definitely um oh wait I'm i gonna, like pogo you like pogo i like pogo i'm gonna go with pogo. i think it fit his personality and that was definitely the name he, that was the clown name he was known much more for than patches Pogo sounds so silly it, and he was a silly man he was, he was a silly silly man <laughs> <laughs> so john wayne gacy's who we're covering this week he was you know if not the most, he's top three most infamous serial killers of all time, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, you think the word serial it's killer. Prolific as well, probably. It, the words serial killer. He's maybe the first one that pops out of your mouth when you. Maybe. Right. Or right after Dahmer. Dahmer, Gacy, and Bundy. Those, yeah. I think they're like the, if you had a Mount Rushmore, <laughs> they're on there <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And you'd have Pogo up there. Oh, oh would you? you He'd so be the Gacy one. would have two? Yeah. Okay. It'd be, no. I don't think he's that special. No, it's just Pogo. He was the bad side. He was the actual killer. Oh. <laughs> Over there smirking on the backside of the Although, mountain. It's on the did. backside of his head. <laughs> right. Although he didn't really wear his clown suit when he killed. That wasn't typical. There was no. one instance that we'll get into where he was wearing the suit, supposedly. But let's get into his childhood and his past to start this thing out. John Wayne Gacy was born in Chicago, Illinois on March 17th, 1942. 
Uh, he's from Polish and Danish descent. Yeah. I uh, can see that. Shared a birthday with none other than my favorite actor, Kurt Russell. Oh, sorry. That's well, look, your favorite positive person and your favorite negative person share the same day. I don't know if he's my... I, I guess I know, uh, I he just, was fun to study. I thought you would go along with it for the show, but I guess no, not. No, I can't. Fuck you. I can't give you that. No. <laughs> no freebies. Um, Kurt Russell, though, what's your favorite movie? The Thing for me. The thing yeah, overboard know. was great. Uh, overboard. Why am I bringing up overboard? I mean, he's I been in made way better stuff than that. Was he, did you see that yeah. Tarantino film with him? Oh, a dead death race. Death proof. Death, death proof. Yes, I like that one. Yeah, let's go with that one. All right. Well, he's in the same same birthday as John Wayne Gacy. I'm, that's an unfortunate thing to share with him. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the only son and second of three children. So he had two sisters, an older and a younger sister. Right. Um, he got the, the middle name Wayne from his father's favorite actor, John Wayne. How dare he? And he's also a junior. His dad's name was also John. I feel like his dad would be like, I wasted that on him. Right. <laughs> I should have <laughs> saved it for my next son. God damn. <laughs> Never had another son, so like, he really had to just take what he got. Yeah. Um, his father was John Stanley Gacy. He was an auto repair machinist and World War I veteran. Yeah, hardcore. That's staggering. That's World War One. Is That's like my favorite war to study. That shit was brutal. If you haven't looked into World War One, like really dig deep. I recommend uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History five part series. Oh yeah, yeah. If you got weeks, yeah, it's listen. about twenty something hours, I think, <laughs> maybe longer. But it's unbelievable. And to think his father fought in that would make a lot of sense to to find out how troubled he was later because right. he would, right. he would end up being a really abusive and alcoholic, yeah, father. Uh, his mother, however, was on the other spectrum. Her name was Marion Elaine Robinson. She was a homemaker, and basically doted on. Young John Wayne Gacy, and his sisters well, as well. Had to, to this is typical. This yeah. is typical. I mean, they're like, "Oh, poor John gets so gets harassed." Wasn't by it Daddy. Randy Kraft that was the same thing? His mom, mom and sisters uh, toted on him yep, as well. Yep. Yeah, sure was. He's he's a lot of a lot of uh, William Bonin and uh, Randy Kraft in this guy. Mm, yeah, Randy Kraft especially because he's got the two faces. You know, like he he had a good public persona, and then absolutely. Yeah, we'll get into it. He had uh, many issues as a child as well, like physically. Uh, well, yeah. Some he, might thought it was his father didn't really believe it. Thought it was more a mental thing, right? Or him just being a wuss. But he had a heart condition that prevented him from playing with other kids. He was overweight, um, and when he was 11 years old, he actually had an incident with a swing where he got hit in the head and knocked unconscious. And it would end up being found out years later that he had a blood clot, which made it those years where right. they didn't have that diagnosed on him. Uh, he was having frequent bouts of like he would faint in, in class is this something this, this he also shared this with richard ramirez richard ramirez remember he had that shell fall on him well and then, a he, few killers and then he kept passing done. out randomly like he would right uh in class one time he would just faint or whatever was yeah it? yeah he just had blackouts but they eventually stopped though it was eventually stopped for both of them yeah well because with gacy he would end up as they would finally diagnose him i think he was 16 when they finally diagnosed it and they started giving him medication to like, I guess, clear out the blood clot that he had. Right, right. So he had a, a really close relationship with his mother, as we mentioned. Um, his father was extremely abusive, not only mentally but physically. Yeah. Uh, there was a time where he beat him with a broomstick and knocked him unconscious. Um, he was constantly calling him a sissy, belittling him, you know, calling him hobopho- homophobic right. slurs. And and this is, this is not so much um, punishment for John doing something wrong. It could just be an inconvenience to his father. Right. Like, it could be anything. Like, he, he got beat one time because he, like, rearranged the car parts in the garage. Mm-hmm. Like, just just any little thing that his Set father... Set him off, yeah. yeah. 
just you know the thing. I mean, and this it, guy was always loaded and ready to ready to go, anyways. And he was always disappointed in Gacy because he wanted like a manly son, but Gacy right. wasn't that. Gacy was more into gardening with his mom, cooking, yeah. hanging out with his sisters, and his dad wanted him to go fishing and and be a man. Right. You know what? Back in this day, you know, fifties. 40s and 50s was looked upon you're supposed to be an old man you know yeah i think gacy from a very young age had a yeah like identity crisis because he was homosexual i believe through his whole life you know he always was in denial always but yeah he never he never had a good relationship with his father you talked about like going fishing like his father would quote unquote make an effort to do things with him you know take him fishing and then later on in life he actually recalls that fish one of the fishing trips he, where he spent, I guess, a weekend or so with mm-hmm. them as one of the major low points in his life. Just just a fishing trip. And it's like one of the major... Because dad was probably just belittling him the exactly. entire time he was he out there. He said everything that went wrong was his fault. Every single yeah. thing. Yeah, that's right. They weren't catching any fish. It's your fault. You know, yeah. Just everything. Um, I saw something... I only saw this in one uh, thing I researched, and it was about him being molested by a family friend when he was nine. Uh, supposedly if like a friend would drive him around in his pickup truck and like fondle him while he was in there. Now huh. I didn't see it in the documentary that I right. watched the documentaries I watched. I didn't read it in the book that we read. Right. Um, which actually it's a good time to talk about the resources that we used for this episode real okay. quick. Just sure. I, I wanted to mention that in the beginning, but I forgot. So we read the book uh, by Sam L. Amarante, who was actually his the, the defense, defense lawyer. Yeah. yeah. And it, the book was called John Wayne Gacy Defending a Monster. Epic book. Very good book. Really good. It went, I'd say the second half of the book was entirely about the trial. Yeah. Which still some people love that. Though. It was still interesting. Um, so if you're into the, if you're into the courtroom battles and all that, it was great. And just yeah. the whole first half of the book, oh, man. you learned it a lot about Gacy. right away. And it, it gets right into the action of like his, it gets into like the final kill. Yeah. You know, you get a lot of insights, insight, insight yeah. onto backs up. Gacy as a person, because this guy was his lawyer and had a lot of one-on-one conversations with Gacy oh, and, yeah. and got to know him pretty well. You could imagine the, the daunting uh, task of being his lawyer. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Cause he's just changed from one second to the next, you know, he's just, yeah. I don't know. Anyways, uh, also we watched two documentaries. One was by Biography, I guess is I've seen Biography documentaries. I don't know yeah. if it's a certain company that makes them or whatever, but uh, it was really good. It was just called John Wayne Gacy right. Biography. Uh, also, Crime Stories did one on him, the Sociopath series for John Wayne Gacy. We watched that as well, and uh, as well as studied a bunch of different articles and stuff on him. So. Yeah, all the other good stuff. Yeah. So as he got older, the abuse from his father only got worse. It was he couldn't really say anything without his dad, you know, just belittling him or right. hitting him or whatever. Uh, and when he was younger, also one thing to note is kind of gives you some insight. This is a it big does. one. Uh, his best friend told a story later on, did interviews, and talked about how Gacy used to steal his mother's undergarments, his, yeah. her underwear, her bras. This is at a very young age. This is like five. Yeah. He just like was obsessed with like the material, supposedly. Right. And we talked about, I thought he was a homosexual from birth, yeah. basically. I, you know, I don't. And so I think this gives you a little more insight. He, yeah. he Basically, he would like to wear them yeah. and masturbate with them, or just he just liked the idea of wearing them in general. Yeah. And, well, he uh, was doing this for a long time. Like, yeah, it wasn't mas- just from- Obviously, the masturbation was like in his teen years. This wasn't at five years old. Yeah. Let's make that clear. I don't know. That's when I started, bro. Well, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but anyways, no, like at five, like he would get caught with his mother's... I mean, uh, he would have his mother's clothes, right. and he wasn't masturbating with them, but when he was done playing with them or whatever he What's did, crazy is he the- would bury them yeah. under the house. That's a little uh, foreshadowing. Bury them we'll under just, the house. We'll just leave that there. At five we'll just years old. Let that old. sit there. At five years old, people, it's just 
if there's not a miswiring from the factory, I don't know. Right. Uh, and something important to note also that he was an average student, uh, but he was bright. He was on the bright normal IQ range. He had like a 118. 118. He was tested as a teenager, I believe. And that's not a bad score. You know, we've had higher, we've had lower. And that's for it's sure. probably a lot higher than me. Right. But I guess he had <laughs> issues uh, focusing. I just went with it. Right? Yeah, you're yeah. like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> We're not arguing that here. No, I would say me. If you're, you're looking for a compliment, you're looking in the wrong place. You're probably in the 120s. I'm probably like a 90, you know. <laughs> a 90. <laughs> Come on. But I'm street smart. Oh, there we go. There we go. We got to make smart. up for it. <laughs> smart somewhere. <laughs> All right, Fredo. Uh, I guess he would have issues in class. Focusing was a big problem. You know, see that a lot with these yeah. guys that end up being serial killers. It's they, it's not that they're not smart. They just don't give a shit about not killing people. <laughs> don't I don't want to hear about, about history. Hey, like, are we going to kill somebody in math today? <laughs> well, it ain't showing up. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to teach me how to make a noose? <laughs> Where's the knife play class? <laughs> All right, so after attending four different high schools, Gacy would drop out before completing his senior year. At 18, he became involved in politics, working as an assistant precinct captain for the Democratic Party candidate in his neighborhood. Oh, look at him, moving on up. Moving on up. Yeah, uh, he was, and this is like the beginning of a very long, he, he would always be get involved in local politics. Yeah. And, he was always willing to volunteer for whatever events going on. And but he would grind. He wanted his credit, though. He did. Yeah, he it was it was credit. about the attention for Obviously, him, no doubt. Yeah. He wanted people to like him. He wanted to be important in the yeah. little area he lived in. He wanted yep. everyone to know his name. He was that guy. You Looking know? for positions of authority. Yeah. Right. He, that, that was the biggest thing. I think yep. he wanted to be powerful. Yep. I guess that was the perfect way. He just wanted to be a powerful, well-known guy. Mm-hmm. Politician would have been probably perfect for him. Yeah, probably. Could have like been droning people. Yeah. But he was supposed to be a politician, then be scandalous. Right. He got him backwards. He did. That's okay. He, well, he just mixed them in. He yeah. started to get the politics well, going and then yeah. didn't wait you long. You got to wait till you're at a higher level so exactly. you're above the law. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Come on, Gacy. Classic mistake. Right. Wait till you're president of the JCs before you start right. <laughs> raping kids and stuff. You haven't mentioned that yet? <laughs> at 18. <laughs> you haven't mentioned JCs yet. No. All right. Anyways, here we go. More foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. His everything. father uh, bought him a car at around the same age, at 18 years old, uh, with the title being in his father's name until Gacy completed the monthly well, payments. Yeah, and the Gacy thing, wanted his own car. He but, wanted a cheaper car. He right. was going to buy a cheaper car so he could own it. But this is just another example of his father's got to have control of Tyr- His t- father's tyranny. Yeah. He wanted, he wanted to be able to have something yeah. to hold over Gacy. And then he sold it to him as, oh, well, you can have a better car if I just loan you this little bit. Right. But then, you know. Better pay. That, fuck you, pay me. Fuck yep. you, pay me. Yeah. Um, and so this would this would basically, like we talked about, uh, the payments would take several years to complete. And with the vehicle being in his father's name, his father would just constantly, every time Gacy wanted to do something or his father wanted him to do something, it was, he would just take the keys yep. from him until he got what he wanted. And, uh, but this would end up driving Gacy crazy. And after, after a big dispute with his father, he would take the car and head west to Las Vegas. Hey, Las Vegas, fabulous Las Vegas. It seems like that happens a lot. We always have like a Las Vegas reference in these. Yeah, it's unintentional. I, I when I I knew quite a bit about Gacy going into this one. This wasn't one of those ones I went in completely in the dark. But I I didn't know that he had a, like a brief stint in Vegas. Yeah, pretty brief. Know. But yeah, I mean yeah, as a, as a teenager, it wasn't that long. But right. it's pretty interesting the shit that happened here. It is. He quickly found work as an ambulance driver, and this is something that it, it just speaks to Gacy's. Like everywhere he went, he always had opportunities because he yep. would just get in. He would weasel his way in, and he was like likable. I guess in a like a harmless way. Like he was, yeah. he was not an intimidating guy. Yeah, 
He was just like, he would get in there and he's just like, hey, hey, how you doing? Hey, and like, he's like a salesman, the perpetual yeah. salesman of himself to people. Yeah. And so everywhere he went, he could get jobs easily. So he goes to Vegas and he becomes an ambulance driver and he's not even old enough to drive <laughs> so ambulances, right. which is what ends up, once they found out that he wasn't old enough, he would end up uh, cutting him loose. But because... Of all places to check age, like... I know, right? Well, I guess they didn't qualify... I guess to be an ambulance driver then, you didn't have to actually be a paramedic. See, like, now, you you can't drive an ambulance. You're just a driver. Right. So they just had drivers. Right. It seems like a waste of a person. Pizza delivery guy or ambulance driver is pretty much the same thing. (laughs) Oh, is it? During that time. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. You're delivering bodies, you're delivering pizzas. What's the difference? (laughs) (laughs) So once they discovered he wasn't old enough, uh, just, just like I said, about finding jobs, just... I guess as the ambulance driver, part of it would be a guy's dead. You drive him to the morgue or to oh. the uh, funeral parlor. Oh, And he made I connections see. at the funeral parlor from dropping these bodies so off. So he was a post-emergency driver. <laughs> no, I'm saying sometimes. He wasn't always just driving dead bodies around. I'm saying if it went wrong, he would end up somehow, I don't know this, how this works, but he met somebody at a funeral parlor. They're like, nah, they're dead. Just go ahead and head to the funeral parlor. <laughs> Cut the middle, man. <laughs> John's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I'm going to go hang out with bodies. He would end up, however it happened, he got connections through the funeral parlor and he ended up getting a job through them. Yeah. And he would become a mortuary attendant and he would sleep on a cot behind the embalming room. Of course he would. Of course that's how this works. It's a natural upbringing. He, I'm surprised he wouldn't sleep on the table. I mean, if it's he's going through the courses to become, like he's going to college for becoming a serial killer. It's right. like abusive, drunken father, ends up playing with, like hanging around bodies <laughs> as a teenager, you know? Yeah. And uh, he's checking all the boxes. Yeah. He would later admit to sleeping with a young male corpse one night. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. I mean, you're, you're there, you're sleeping, they're sleeping. Yeah. It's easy. Right. You want a little easy? company? <laughs> is, that a, is that drawer getting a little cold in there? Yeah. Uh, not right. Nope. Was it? No. I shouldn't have said that. No, I'm saying I'm just... It's, oh. <laughs> it wasn't right what he did. I, oh, well, obviously not. Stop taking it lightly, Michael. <laughs> So he would sleep with a young male corpse, and uh, yeah, that probably planted some kind of a seed in his head, I'm, I'm sure. There's more seeds to be planted later. He uh, would end up getting tired of Vegas. I guess he couldn't handle the heat. He was always, like we said, he was usually, almost his whole life, he was overweight. Right. I don't think he liked the, the heat out here. Yeah, it's it tough. does get hot here. It's tough on the bigger people. Yeah. Yeah, only the strong on, survive. All the people, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's tough either way. <laughs> yeah, all, if you carry around some extra baggage, it's, all, it's that much harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would go back home to Chicago, and he would end up actually enrolling in the Northwestern Business College. Even without a, without graduating from high school, he would end up enrolling in business college and graduate in 1963. Uh, Dude, just talks his way through life. Right? It's I unreal. feel like he would just, like, <laughs> faked his way through unreal. college. I think about that, that, uh, that season of The Office where Robert California comes on there, and he just talks his way into the job. We talked about how... Uh, you really don't know that right. What about Seinfeld? There was an episode where George Costanza, George Costanza got a job that he had no business having, and then he just sat literally yeah, his sat job in the for the Yankees all day. <laughs> yeah, that's <too. laughs> No. George is getting angry. All right, we're being too silly. <laughs> Let's stick to get, the story get here. Get back on track, Lauren. All right, so back in Chicago, he uh, graduated from college in 63, business college, and he would shortly after get a management trainee position with the Nunbush Shoe Company. Mm. Uh, where he would quickly become the highest grossing salesman. Like we talked about, I feel like it's a, it's, if there's anything Gacy was born to do, even more than killing, it was selling shit. Yeah, I thought you were going to say shoes. <laughs> <laughs> selling shoes. If there's anything this man was born to do, it's selling shoes. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Al Bundy written all over him. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
he was a, he was always selling anything himself. But like we talked about, himself was a big one. Yeah. But shoes, I feel like he could sell a turd to somebody, or yeah. as they say, ice to a Eskimo. Eskimo. You that's know? right. Pretty much. That's that's who he was. So Sand he ex- to a Vegas resident. Yeah. And so with him kicking ass as a shoe salesman, he would uh, actually get transferred to Springfield, where he was promoted to manager of his department. There he met and became engaged to his what would be his first wife, Marilyn Myers. She was a coworker within the department. Her family, this kind of fit what, I think this is part of it. He may have liked her, but I think part mm-hmm. of it was her status because she had a well-off yep. family. Um, it would help his status in the community, her father. That's something they mentioned in almost every documentary I watched. Yeah. They mentioned the fact that, that the marriage was mainly for financial gain. Yeah. Or status, yeah. Yeah. They would end up getting married in 1964. Marilyn's father owned three KFCs in Waterloo, Iowa. Oh, big time. Big time colonel. He's the colonel. <laughs> uh, he would end up moving there. Him and Marilyn would move to Iowa so that he could manage the three KFCs. He would be trained and then end up managing these three KFCs. Nice. In which point he, from there on, insisted by almost everyone he met in the future to be called the colonel, which just shows <laughs> you how silly and ridiculous this man is. That is. That's, yeah. that's strange. Um, there, while in uh, Waterloo, Iowa, he would become big in an organization called the JCs, which before John Wayne Gacy, I'd never heard of this organization. Me either. It's basically a. It's I feel called. Like we should have. It stands for the United the United States Junior Chamber. JCs Junior Chamber. Gotcha. Uh, it's a civic organization. You know, I guess they just do stuff around the community. Yeah. And uh, but it's I think it's a guy a way for a bunch of dudes to just feel important about themselves. You know what I mean? Like oh. they give themselves important titles. Like they've got a president. They've got. You know, do they? Yeah, it's like a country club. It's like their own little shitty government. Oh, you think so? Sorry if you're in the JCs and you're listening oh, to this. Yeah, way to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at JC meetings, Gacy would often provide free chicken to his colleagues and insisted upon being given being given the nickname Colonel. Of course. <laughs> uh, in '65, Gacy had risen to the position of Vice President of the Springfield JCs. We Oop. talked about how now he can feel all important. Hey, man, he's he's boss. Hey, over people. Hey, I'm a Colonel. I'm a Vice President. <laughs> Call me Colonel Fight. I kill kids. Oh, well, we haven't got to that yet. Gacy's wife gave birth to two children, a son named Michael, who was born on February 1966. Well, it's a good name. Looking at you, buddy. Yeah. If you say so. If I was born in 1966, you need some of this shit that I'm eating. You look like a guy that could be born from John Wayne Gacy. That's all I'm saying. Wow. Michael uh, would end up being followed by a daughter named Christine in March of 1967. Um... During this time, Gacy and his wife were swinging. Well, you, you forgot to mention that this is like the first time in forever his dad was proud of him. Yes. When it, while oh, in John Iowa, Senior. he's raising up through yeah. the JCs. Um, he's now got a wife, and he's have, having children, and yep. his father is finally... There's a moment he has where his he would later talk about yeah. it, how he had a moment with his father, where his father yeah. finally basically admitted, like, it's about time I became a man. I was a dick all these years. I realize you're not gay. Yeah. You got a nice little family. That's right. But don't be gay, though. Yeah. What a douche. I know you're still gay. <laughs> <laughs> don't, kit, don't let me catch you slipping. <laughs> right. And as I started to mention, uh, during this time while he was with his wife, uh, they started swinging together. So they would like uh, yeah. swap partners with people. Well, because Gacy was confused at this time. He's, he's he was like, always confused. He was I mean, always confused, but... I'm like, sure he wanted to be straight because his, he, I think what mattered to him no. at, at a younger age more right. than anything was making his father proud. And if he was... Being himself, he wasn't going to make his father proud, you know? Right. But it's different, though, when you find who you think is the one, though. Like, when you find that person you think is the one, and then you're like, 
oh, this is still not doing it for me. Right. It's like something maybe off here. Cause like, you know, with other people, you just might not be as compatible with like mm-hmm. throughout his life. But when you find, like when he found his first wife, you know what I mean? Obviously he loved he her wanted about to, her enough. He to wanted marry. her to be able to fulfill everything, which he couldn't. He exactly. always, he always had more desires. He for thought young yeah. men, basically. He thought if I had a wife that the, the <laughs> one that's for me and I have children and things, yeah. then I'll figure out who I am. Yeah. So even the swinging wasn't enough though. Like he, he's swinging with other couples. And during this time, he's also uh, going out drinking, picking up male prostitutes, making, yeah. making advances on young uh, male associates at KFC. Right. You know, it's, and playing them off as a joke. That's one th- also another thing that kind of, you hear several people that would end up surviving Gacy and they had, they had stories to tell about yeah. close calls with him. Mm-hmm. And it's always like, he would try to like kind of laugh it off, like, oh, that, what are, I'm not gay. What's yeah, the problem I'm, here? I'm not gay. <laughs> I, I was just testing you. It's, you know, you passed. It's I fine. Like, hey, blowjob's a blowjob, pal. Right? Don't matter if it's from a boy or a girl. Right. You know, hey. Hey. Anyways. <laughs> so, yeah. So, during that time, like we said, he's swinging, but that's still not enough. He's still making advances on young men, picking up young prostitutes. Uh, he's able to go mostly unnoticed doing all this through a time until he picked the wrong young boy to mess around with right uh, around this time he lured a 15 year old boy named jo- donald Voorhees, who was actually the son of a fellow jc member uh, he lured him into his basement where they had so-called consensual oral sex i guess donald Voorhees was a homosexual right um but he i, I think what happened was gacy got rough with him yeah. and and did some stuff he wasn't yeah he shouldn't have been messing around with 15 year old right, to right, begin right. with exactly. first of all and um he would do some stuff that he would would make him worried about Donald say, saying something. Yeah, I don't see how consensual even helps the situation at all. Like it's, that's what he always pushed later on. He's like, it was consensual. I'm like, still he's fifteen uh, and you're still how old? bad. Still right. bad. Yeah, he's fifteen <laughs> and you're twenty five. Right. Um, he would end up paying Donald fifty dollars to, to hoping that Donald would keep his mouth shut. Didn't work. A few months later, Donald Voorhees repeat, reported to his father that Gacy had sexually assaulted him. Gacy, throughout the process, denied, denied, because this was going to kill him. He was like, give was, me a lie detector test. Yeah, give me a lie detector test. He's worried about this killing his reputation in the community. Right. You know, now all the JCs are going to know, because this is this right. kid's the so, son of somebody in it. Right. So he failed the lie detector test. They gave him <laughs> two lie detector tests. He failed them both, and he was indicted on sodomy. Um, leading up to the trial, however, Gacy tried to remedy this whole situation himself. He would pay an employee at KFC $300 to beat Voorhees up and then threaten yeah. him not to testify in court. Right. So the employee does just what Gacy asks him to do. He actually yeah. like Apparently, showed up in a parking lot, like maced the kid, yeah. and like kicked him and told him not to testify. But this, he kind of underestimated Donald Voorhees. Maybe it's that yeah. last name, the Jason. Isn't that Jason's last name from uh, Friday the Thirteenth? Is Voorhees? it? Yeah, maybe. I think so. <laughs> this is a little Jason kid. A little Jason. That, you, some kid beating him up in a parking lot, and he, he's, he's like, still. Nah. He still uh, reported this, and this actually only made things worse and did not make the judge any more lenient on the situation when the trial came around. Um, the judge would end up slapping Gacy down with a 10-year sentence, which is actually the me- the maximum punishment it he is. could receive for sodomy of right. a young teenager. And with him going away for potentially the next 10 years, his wife would file for divorce. Right. This would be the last time he'd ever see his first wife and his two kids that he had with her. Yeah, I was wondering about that. It was gone. I looked to see nope, that was know, it. if he ever had any more contact with them, but he never did. Nope, they were gone. That's sad. Uh, he would be incarcerated at the Anamosa State Penitentiary, where he would excel. I think he, he was meant to, if he would have just gone away, he would have had a happy life in prison for the rest of his life. He just couldn't mm-hmm. handle choices in life. 
Right. You know what I mean? He, he excelled when told what to do. Maybe he would have been good in the military. I don't know. But like when he had a clear path, but when he was right. left to his own devices, he couldn't handle it. Because in prison, you see him excelling. And he always found a way to get what he wanted. So imagine how much harder that would be as a person going, I can have whatever I want right now. In the world. Yeah, in the world. With Whereas in prison, you can or... only go so far. Right. Because in prison, he would become head chef. And everyone yep. loved his cooking there. I guess the, the cooking went up tenfold when Gacy arrived. He yeah. actually knew how to use spices and seasonings. And They actually interviewed him on like a news program. Yeah, you can watch these <laughs> interviews of him yeah. in, uh, uh, during his first uh, prison sentence. And you can tell the way he's talking, he's not just a half-assed cook. I mean, he took this very seriously. Oh, yeah, serious as a heart attack. And he would also be singing in the choir. And just he just seemed like he excelled in prison, man. He just should have just never left. Right. Unfortunately, it would only last 18 months. Uh, his prison stay. He was because of good behavior, although yeah. it's it's uh, questionable because there is one one incident. incident right? I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, his his hatred for himself slash fellow homosexuals. This this is a good uh, example of it. Yep. Uh, one at one point during his prison prison stay, he was walking back to his cell and witnessed two inmates giving oral sex to each other. Yeah. Where he this enraged him, and he went up and kicked one of them in the face. <laughs> I wonder which one it was. <laughs> right, the one receiving or giving? <laughs> Probably the one receiving, I would think. It'd be a little hard to get the other one, wouldn't it? <laughs> the, the one giving, then that's, that's, hurt, that's hurtful for both. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's hope a, he doesn't bite down. That's a one-two punch. <laughs> Kick. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so I, not, it wasn't all that good, his stay there. Maybe the, this, the prison system was... Uh, kind of had the same feelings for him as far as homosexuals went, and that right, it yeah. wasn't a big deal to them. That To me, that's like, that's not good behavior if you're assaulting fellow inmates right. out of nowhere like that. He would only, like we said, spend 18, 18 months in prison. Um, oh, also important to note, just cut, it goes to, speaks to his go-getterness when it came to getting shit done. On one occasion while in prison, he oversaw the installation of a miniature golf course on the prison. <laughs> of course On the did. prison's recreational yard. It's like, the windmill goes over there. Oh, you need some more clowns over here. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's just a clown theme miniature golf clown. course. Ugh. I want all the balls to be red, like clown noses. Yeah. Also while in prison, he completed 16 high school courses for which he obtained his diploma in November of 1969. Um, oh man, yeah. a lot more shit happened in prison than we we uh, we kind of skipped over. But also, yeah. this is a big big moment in his life. Um, while he was in prison on Christmas Day, nineteen sixty nine, his father died from cirrhosis of the liver. All that drinking finally got him. Yeah. Um, this crushed him. It said that people witnessed him fall to the floor sobbing. Um, he he wanted more than anything to go to his father's funeral, and he begged the prison to allow him to right. temporarily leave to go to his father's funeral, to which they denied. Uh, him access to do so. Mm. Um, once after uh, getting off after the 18 months um, on good behavior, he immediately returned to Chicago to live with his mother, where he became a short order cook. So all that cooking in prison paid off. Boom. Um, and he has a diploma now. So he's got a diploma. Moving things up. are things are looking up. Um, and with the help from his mother financially, he would buy a house in Norwood Park Township, 8213 West Somerdale Avenue. That house would become infamous yep. later down later on. That's right. On February 12th, 1971, less than a year out of prison, Gacy was charged with sexually assaulting a teenage boy. He lured him into his car at a bus terminal and uh, had driven him to his home and attempted to use to uh, basically force sex onto the, the right. uh, kid. Now, the kid reported this. The problem was the kid didn't appear to court when it came time. So Gacy got charged. Right. Court date came. Kid didn't show up. Guess what? He got off. Yep. Uh, they, demor- they denied the uh, complaint. So mm-hmm. 
there's there's one of your moments. We've had these in the past with serial killers where it's yeah. like this would have been. I think this would have been it for Gacy. This would have been. He's 10 already years been convicted with no parole, probably. of sodomy on a 15 year old, yep. and then he get if this would have gone through, it's 25, 20 to life, 25 it's funny to life. That, it's funny that in like all documentaries and articles, this is such just a small footnote, but this is so Dude, crucial. If that kid showed up to court, so crucial. potentially 33 future lives would have been saved. Yeah. Um, however, as it was, fate was not. On that right. side. We're not blaming you, kid, that didn't show up. <laughs> I am. Oh. Shortly oh. after, Gacy and his <clears throat> mother moved into the house, and became he became engaged to Carol Hoff, a divorcee with two young daughters. This is someone that he knew uh, from childhood. They were childhood friends. Um, they were always friends, and, like, it was... That was the kind of marriage it was. Um, it was... There was no passion. They were just, like, good partners, almost. Like, right. he was a good father to her two daughters. Yeah. Um, they just... Got a well, got got along well, I guess, and it was yeah. It was, and then she kind of saw him as financial stability. Yes, so it helped her out a lot. Yeah, seemed like his marriages. He looked for someone that just fit the criteria for what his image wanted, and yeah. Now he got to be like a good father to two kids. And right, and it worked out for her. It worked out for him, but there was no lust there. I don't think ever. Right. Um, right before the wedding, Gacy had another close call with the law after impersonating a police officer, picking up a young teen, and forcing him into oral sex. The boy blackmailed Gacy into an attempt to get money, which resulted in that case getting thrown out. Oh, my God. Kid. Yeah, so leading up to the trial, another oh thing happens that gets him off yet again. So we got two back-to-back where he's pushing right. his fucking luck, man. Yeah, like, he, he just got out. He got lucky that he didn't have to stay for 10 years in yep. prison, and now he's just right back at it. Yep. <clears throat> and that was something that he would always do. And this was like, I don't know if this is where he started doing this, was around this time, but uh, later on when he would pick up Teenage boys, uh, I think a lot of time it was proven that he would use an unmarked car and he had a spotlight. Well, his, he would yeah. shine the spotlight on him and he would pretend to be a police he officer. Had he had what a looked like, like a Chevy Caprice, which is what they used then. Mm-hmm. And then it had the spot. It was all black. Yeah. No hubcaps. And yep. then it had the uh, spotlights on yep. each side. And so on a dark night, he would pull up in an yeah. alley, spotlight you, come out, you know, get against the wall, yeah. handcuff you, put you in the car. Yep. Or oh. maybe if you cooperate, he wouldn't even handcuff you. would wait till you get back to the house to do right. the handcuff trick on you. Um, around this time, Gacy quit his job as a cook and started his own construction business. PDM Contractors uh, stood for painting, decorating, and maintenance. Real right. clever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is like a way for him to farm young boys, exactly. have them around all the time. Yep. I don't know. I mean, it was also a business venture. It made a lot of money. I saw a thing that said he made like the equivalent of 200 k per year in today's dollars. Yeah. Wow. Which is pretty damn solid. That's good. And he, and he said that he hired these young boys because it kept costs down. You know, 15, 16 year olds aren't looking to have a whole lot of, make a whole lot of money. If he paid them $5 an hour, they were Which just is, ecstatic. Was his going rate? Right. For... They're making 250 working at grocery stores. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, they're living high on the hog as a 15, 16 year old working for him. Yeah. And it wasn't long after that that he would kill for the first time. On January 2nd, 1972, Gacy picked up a 16 year old named Timothy Jack McCoy from Chicago's Greyhound bus terminal. Gacy had sex with him, and in the morning, I guess they had a good time, and in the morning, this is an interesting story. I know you love this story, so I'll let you tell it. Well, in the morning, so he wakes to see the boy coming in the room with a knife, right? and he immediately thinks the worst. He thinks that he's like a a scam artist, or or he's a hustler, and he's going to try and kill him. Right. So he jumps up, and they end up wrestling on the floor or whatnot, and eventually gets the knife from him and stabs the boy in the chest, Multiple and he also times. apparently had a stab wound on his arm as well. He did, yeah. Um, 
and he still, I mean, he later talked about a lot of the murders that he did. And this one, he swore that it was just a kind of an accident. But yeah. when it was all said and done, he got a real high from it. A quote from him in a later interview said, that's when I realized that death was the ultimate thrill. Right. But it was also said that the boy was just making him breakfast. Yes. Which, and, is, which is an important thing to know. He was just... He just had the knife in his hand because he was using it to like, cook. Hey, you want eggs? Yeah, he's like, oh, you like them scrambled? You like them fried? I like them motherfucking over medium. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, and some people get mad about the way their eggs are cooked. Yeah, yeah. No joke. His, uh, <laughs> his second murder. Not to take it lightly. No, I'm you sorry. know, rest in peace. Um, that's, but it is kind of crazy to think yeah. that his first killing was just over eggs. Hmm. The second murder around January 1974 was an unidentified teenage youth with medium brown curly hair estimated between the ages of 14 and 18. Now, you know, we already foreshadowed 33 bodies later on would be found. Right. Um, he killed a lot of people. We already knew this going into John Wayne Gacy, but right. not all of them were ever identified. This is one of them. Right. His second murder. Um, the body he would bury in the backyard, and uh, this would be like right next to his grill, I guess. Uh, th- around this time, he became active in Democratic Party politics yet again, initially offering the labor services to of his PDM employees free of charge. Right. You know, weaseling his way in, trying to get That's power, right. trying to offer people things. He would go around. He was that guy, like, at the bar. He would, if someone had an issue, he'd butt in and, like, get involved and, like, resolve it for him. Right. But I think it was just because he loved to go around telling people he knew people. He, he just wanted oh, yeah. a connection for everything. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, he was then appointed to serve upon the Norwood Park Township Street Lighting Community uh, Committee, and we're just going to go through a list of shit that at this time um, he's just all the community stuff that he's right, getting involved right. in. So he's on the he's on the Norwood Park Township Street Lighting Committee. He's uh, appointed director of Chicago's annual Polish Constitution Day Parade. <laughs> Although I don't know how prestigious that is. I mean, hey, it's it's such a small amount of people though. I you ever think. you ever been well, the, the director Chicago. of an of a Polish constitutional parade, Michael? I have not. Shut I'm a mouth. big part Polish. Shut your mouth. I should have been. Yeah. Yeah. How dare you? Through his work with the parade, Gacy met and was photographed with Rosalind Carter, who was at the time the uh, first lady. Uh, and there was a lot of controversy about this photo. Obviously, he's standing with the first lady. How did one of the most prolific serial killers right. <laughs> during the time of his killing spree stand next to the fucking well, first lady? Yeah. But he's not only that. more famous than she is, so really, she's lucky to stand with him. Right. Right. I guess well. it's all in how you look at it. <laughs> Uh, he was also wearing a, say, a pin, a service pin, yeah. that was basically gave, it was indication of Secret Service uh, clearance. Oh, come on. He so. probably made that in his garage. <laughs> <laughs> come on. He was a crafty guy. Man. Impersonating police officer, impersonating Secret Service. Right. Get this guy out of here. Yeah. Uh, he was also, during this time, hosting massive parties at his house, up to 400 people for holidays. Dress, they, they were almost all dress-up parties. Of course. And that's where... It gets creepy. It oh. gets creepy. This is this is how he became the, the the clown killer. How he became known as a clown killer. He would. It was during this time that he became registered as a clown, and he you would have to register yourself as a clown. Yeah, he was the real deal. Oh. Man. He had. A, he also had a clown badge. Oh my gosh. Um, he would go by Pogo the clown or Patches the clown, depends on how you look at it. Right. Uh, during it, as a clown, he would go around to like children's hospitals, and yeah. he would entertain at parties. You rodeos, know, rodeo, no. No, not rodeos. <laughs> he, I wish he would have. <laughs> um, he would regularly perform at fundraising events as well, parades. Um, PDM, 
Let's talk a little bit more about that. The contractors consisted, as we talked, young boys, mainly high school students and young men. One of them was a boy named Anthony Antonucci. And Antonucci was 15 years old. Um, Gacy did this trick, which he liked to do and which he used a lot, which was yeah. to try and show you like a clown trick with uh, handcuffs. handcuffs. And right. it, it, sometimes he would even put them on his own wrists, turn around for just a second, and all of a sudden he'd come back and he'd be swinging the handcuffs yeah. on his finger. Um, he would do this often. He would show them in the front, and then he would even do it from behind. He would right. undo the things. But yeah. basically, he had a hiding spot between his fingers with this tiny little key. He would bring yeah. out, boom, undo them. And so he convinced them. He's like, well, let me put them on you, and I'll show you how it works. Exactly. Put the handcuffs on, and then he would call them stupid, and that's where it would start, you typically. stupid. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he tried that on Antonucci. He actually got the handcuffs on Anthony Antonucci and left the room. And when he came back, Anthony Antonucci had pulled his own magic trick and gotten him off. I guess boom, <laughs> the left wrist was too loose as far yeah. as Casey didn't tighten him down enough, and he was able to slip his hand out. Who's the Copperfield now, bitch? Right. And he picked the wrong guy to not tighten the handcuffs on because uh, <laughs> Antonucci was a wrestler. Antonucci fucking turned the tables on him. That's right. He, he wrestled down Gacy, got the handcuffs on him. Ho, ho, ho. Didn't kill him, though. He should have killed him. Oh. That would have saved a lot of lives, yeah. as we talked about. Right. Um, he would end up leaving the next day, quitting his job. Oh, really? I wonder why. Yeah. Couldn't work that out, man. You know, people just can't work through workplace issues nowadays. I know. It's just, it's a, sometimes your boss is a little cranky. Sometimes yeah. he handcuffs you. Right. And Suck it up. You know, go fill the water cooler and get back to work. Right. One week later, on July 29th, 1975, Gacy killed 17-year-old employee John Bukovich. And it's kind of interesting how this went down because Bukovich had actually been having a dispute with John Gacy over money. He didn't feel right. that he'd been paid a certain amount of money. He, he felt as though Gacy owed him a couple hundred dollars for work that he had done. Right. Gacy disagreed. Um, and also, I, get, it, what were you oh, I was going to say, also, uh, Butkovich was really close with his family, like in an odd yeah. way. Like his wife even called uh, John Buf- Butkovich Little John. It was like Little yeah. John and Big John, you know. Right. Like that's how much he was around. He played with his kids and yep. everything. Yeah, and it had gotten to the point where Butkovich actually – brought some of his friends with him over to Gacy's house and confronted him and was planning on beating Gacy up if he didn't give him the money. Right. But Gacy being the salesman that he is. Uh Oh, the suave. Yeah. Somehow it ended up they going into the house and like smoking joints together and like (laughs) it was was all fine again. He's like, hey, hey, I know you want to punch me, but uh, let's have a joint first. Yeah, I got some weed. (laughs) (laughs) He's into that kind of thing. Right. Um, so I think Gacy still held a grudge, obviously, about all this money talk, and he wasn't going to pay him. And he went cruising later that night, Gacy did, and right. happened to see John Bukovich walking down the street by Uh-oh. himself. Um, talked him into getting into the car to go back to the house to talk about it. Um, once there, he pulled the handcuff trick on him and the rope trick. Now, the rope Uh-oh. trick was a Gacy... Rope trick's a new one. It was a very <laughs> William Bonin, very yeah. much. They yep. were... It was basically his homemade tourniquet. He would use a stick with a rope, yep. and there was two holes where the rope would go on each end, and he would put this rope over your head once you were in handcuffs, twist it two or three times, he says, and that was all it would take. And the stick would actually hold in place once he twisted it, mm. the amount. And the boy would struggle, and the more you'd struggle, the tighter it would get, and right. that's it. it didn't take long. Yeah. So but that's what happened to Bukovich. He would end up under um, Gacy's garage floor, actually. Mm. He's the only one that ended up in the garage. Yeah, correctly. there was one in the garage, one in the yard, and then I believe one in the front, but we'll get right. to that. Um, not short, not long after this, uh, Gacy would end up getting his second divorce. Um, it was based on mutual consent. They weren't yeah. having sex anymore, as we had mentioned. It was right. loveless, and 
Casey was bring, bringing home more and more boys. She would watch, yeah. <laughs> she would watch him pull in and right. go to his garage with these young boys through the window. I mean, while she's getting yeah. done, you know, she knows what's she, going on. Yeah, the neighborhood yeah. even knew. Like, oh yeah, people knew. You know, it's, it's oh, yeah. like later on the the media tried to p- paint um, Gacy as like you never would have known. Like this is the last person the Pope. One of the documentaries <laughs> I watched, except the, everybody knew. You would have you would have <laughs> believed that the Pope killed these boys before John Gacy. I don't. They don't. I, don't, like, I honestly nope. don't think. <laughs> nope. I don't think the Wait people that well, knew him. Felt that way. I think they thought he was kind of creepy, but they're like, the eh, but he's harmless. Best, uh, he's creepy, but he's harmless. You know, I feel like. What, what are you saying? I was gonna say I don't think the Catholic Pope is the best comparison right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, allegedly, right. Um, so they would end up getting divorced, uh, and this is where the cruising years would start. That's a term he liked to use. From 1976 to 1978, these were the years where it increased. Shortly after his. Uh, second divorce so he's on the prowl now he's got his own house yeah um and no wife there he can bring him back to bring back these young boys to his house and, right uh, another thing is he would drive that car you talked about that looked unmarked black uh-huh. all black car um, uh-huh. he drove it like a maniac because in case he knew he people. was important he knew people and in his mind he was very, i know cops no one's gonna do anything i'm a fake it. cop in my spare time right in 76 July of 1976, Gacy employed an 18-year-old named David Cram. Cram moved in with Gacy shortly after. Oh, mistake. Back at Gacy's house, it's important to note, he, he liked to have these parties there. And he was like, I'm a very, oh, he liked to say, I'm, liberal I'm very liberal-minded. I he, he liked Sexually. To, he kept like a, a fun <laughs> house. That's what he would say, yeah. Um, yeah. And he had like a bar and a pool Teenager's table. Teenager's paradise. Exactly. And yeah. he loved these teenage boys could always come hang out if they had a dispute with their parents. Yep. It was a no parent zone, is what he liked to call it. <laughs> of course, it was. Right, and so he would he would uh, convince uh, David Cram to start living with him. This was in uh, the scene from the movie that I watched, Gacy. I forgot to mention that I watched the actual film named oh, okay. Gacy. <clears throat> Pretty good, good movie. Yeah. And this scene was recreate, recreated where Cram was, you know, talking to his girlfriend, considering moving in with Gacy because right. it's like it's a perfect hangout. His dad's off his back. He's got a pool table and a oh, full yeah. bar. And, you know. Right. Casey seems fine enough until shortly after moving in when you come home one night to a drunken John Gacy in his clown outfit um, Hmm. pestering you and poking at you and basically tricking you into putting on handcuffs and then swinging you around by your hands saying, I'm going to rape you. That's, this is what happened to <laughs> David Cram one night. It sounds I didn't know like, he was swinging around by the hands. I'm sorry, that caught me by surprise. Yes. It's it's hard not to laugh because it sounds so fucking silly. It does. And actually, you know... We I'm can, just picturing him in his clown costume. Just, we actually can kind of laugh on this one because Cram was another Cram got kid away. that you don't mess with. Yeah, yeah. Cram... It, Cram actually did not get raped. He was able to fight with David G- uh, John Gacy and... Uh, Get the handcuffs. He got the key to the handcuff from Gacy. Yeah. Uncuffed himself and continued to live with Gacy for another month because, you know. <laughs> well, hey, let bygones be bygones. We talked about sometimes you come home, your roommate's a little grumpy. It's right. Proposition is that he'll rape you. Yeah. And Wearing a like, clown Dude, outfit. Come on, bro. And you're like, all right, you want to get some beers? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go to bed. I'm, gonna go, I'm just going to go to bed. You'll be in the ne- next room you, over there. You stay in your room and sh- I'll stay in mine. I'm sure you won't try to do that again. Right. All right. So during the cruising years, which is where we're at right now, uh, there's he's killing on a very frequent basis. At, at one point, up to every two weeks, he's killing young boys that he's picking up on the street. Right. You know, whether he's just enticing them in for sexual acts or if he's pretending to be a police officer. Exactly. However, he's doing it, and he's beginning to put these bodies down in his crawl space. Yep. And we're not going through each one of these because they're all very similar. This guy had a system 
that worked for yeah, him. I guess, you know, kind of don't don't fix it if it ain't broke kind of scenario. Cause right. The same deal. Yeah. So police act as a police officer, trick the boy into the car, and then later proposition him for sex or just want to get back to my house, hang out. Get the handcuffs Get the on handcuffs, him. get the rope. They're drinking, they're vulnerable. Yeah. You show him your little trick. His trick apparently was impressive the way he could t- get those handcuffs off so quick and they didn't know he had the key because he would show him his hands with nothing. Right, right. <clears throat> and so, you know, you can see yourself. If he seems like a nice enough guy and he's showing you this trick, he already put the handcuffs on himself and then yeah. next thing you know, you know, he's putting a rope around your neck. Um, right. And in 76, April, uh, Daryl Sampson would be killed and end up in his crawl space. Uh, Randall, Randall Raffitt, uh, 15, would end up in the crawl space in 76. Samuel, Samuel Stapleton, uh, 1976, he ended up in the crawl space. He was 14. Michael Bonin, 17, 1976, ended up in the crawl space. William Carroll, crawl space. Rick Johnston, Kenneth Parker, William Bundy, Gregory Godzik, who was an employee of his. Right. John Sizik, John Prestige, Matthew Bowman, you get the point. We go on and on. There's whole pages of them, all these bodies in the crawl space. And it would get so bad that he would actually start using his employees to dig holes for him in the crawl space. He would actually put sticks in place down where there were already bodies and say, only dig between these sticks. Exactly. And he was very adamant about it. Only dig between these sticks. Yeah, and he claimed it was for draining. Because his property would soak up a lot of moisture underneath the house. Right. So, which which is also important to know that there was always also a, like a foul odor right. always coming from down underneath there. So if you dug his these wife trenches, had already been the, yeah. the before they got divorced, he had already had a body down there, and she was already right. complaining about it. But if he dug those tr- those trenches, it could air out a little better. Yeah, too. That was his excuse. Yeah, uh, it it was supposedly just a ridiculous odor coming up like, to a point yeah. where it, in the movie it portrayed his neighbors coming over, knocking it like pounding on the door, bitching at him about this, the smell coming over to their properties. Oh, but that was that. A, you can imagine, we're talking a bunch of bodies. You don't think that was a Hollywood exaggeration? It could have been. I think it was. Yeah. Well, well, we'll just write that off. Right. <laughs> <No>. Speculation. <laughs> Overruled. Um, well, we're going to fast forward a little bit to October of 1976. 19-year-old employee of PDM contractors, William Bundy, we mentioned his name. He ended up in the crawl space. Um, he disappeared after informing his family that he was going to attend a party. And now these were not all, this is another case where you hear he killed a bunch of young boys, they were male prostitutes, whatever, right. and then he, in the end, it was one good kid that got him cut. A lot of these no. kids, they were in touch with their families. Yeah, um, they were good kids. They were, they were working. They were right. hardworking kids trying right. to just you know, get ahead. One of them that he killed had taxes laid out in his apartment like he was in the middle of doing his taxes. Like, does that sound like someone who's just a, a runaway? That sounds like someone more grown up than me. Right. <laughs> Michael has his wife do it. Um, Bundy uh, would not end up making it to the party. He would be strangled and buried in the crawl space, buried actually directly beneath Gacy's master bedroom. Um, in December 1976, another person we mentioned on the list, uh, 17-year-old Gregory Godzik, he disappeared um, after being last seen by his girlfriend outside of her house. Um, having driven her home following a date. So this one, he, they, these kids are not just like runaways that haven't been seen by anyone for months. Right, they've, right. they've got lives, and he's taking them from them and then just throwing them under his house like they'll never be seen again. No one's ever going right. to come bother me. And so many of these kids were just written off as runaways. Right. It's, it's, it's kind of surprising. Family members and friends would, were going to the police at this time and, and reporting their loved ones missing, and the police you know, were not doing their due diligence. They were kind of writing right. it off, like you said. as yeah, run- It's another runaway. There's yeah. cities filled with groups of these kids that run away from their parents' home, and 
You know, yeah. well, what they're you, taking a look at these kids, and if they got like one little faulting thing in their life, then they're like, oh, well, you could have ran away. Right. That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it really, if they had looked into it, they probably would have found a lot of times a link here between Gacy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Employing them, then them coming up missing. There's been several of them already mm-hmm. that we've right. talked about. Uh, Gotsik had actually only worked for PDM for three weeks as well before he disappeared. On wow. January 20th, 1977, John Sizik was a 19-year-old acquaintance of Butkovich and of Godzik and Gacy. So I guess they were all probably hanging out back at Gacy's right, little right. bachelor pad. Um, Sizik disappeared. He was lured into Gacy's house on the pretext of selling his Plymouth satellite to Gacy. So Gacy right. said he wanted to buy his car. Got him back there. The salesman kicked in. Um, his class ring would end up being found along with a portable Motorola TV. Uh, those would be found in Gacy's bedroom by the police later right. on. That, yep. And the, his house was filled with... Just merchandise oh, from his kids. Wallets, IDs, Wallets, watches, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Um, Gacy also, instead of buying the car, he just took it because he had killed him. And he would end up selling that to Michael Rossi, his employee who's been living with him now right. for a while. Right. It's, One, ama- it's amazing how well Michael Rossi seemed to just like skate through with Gacy. I don't know what the difference was with him with the, than the other kids because Michael Rossi yeah. worked for him, lived with him. I know. And, you know. He was very close, but he just, I guess he just. Maybe he liked him too much or didn't like him enough. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was too good for business. Maybe it was really Rossi that was oh, running everything for yeah, ACS. He went around doing his creepy bullshit. Yeah, maybe. Um, more on the uh, identified victims that would be later found in the crawl space. Matthew Bowman, uh, Robert Gilroy. This, I'm just trying to get put it in your head how many real people this were that he killed. Jo- John Mowry, Russell Nelson, Robert Winch, Tommy Boiling, David Talsma, William Kindred, Timothy O'Rourke, Frank Landrigan, James Mazzara. Well, those last three and were, on and on and on were found actually in the Des Plaines River. Yeah, that's what happened. Eventually, is he would end up resorting to the, the crawl space got so full of bodies there was no there was no more square footage to bury any of them. Exactly, there was some on top of each other, and the stench yep. was so unbearable that like even even when he would have his employees go down there, they're trying not to vomit the whole time. And, yeah, yeah, it was. You, there's pictures you can look up his crawl space that we'll, we'll get more into that. Right. In March of 1978, Gacy lured a 26-year-old named Jeffrey Rignall into his car. Part, upon entering the car, the young man was chloroformed and driven to the house of Gacy. Yep. Back to his creepy-ass pad. Yep. There he was raped, tortured, and um, with various sodomized with different instruments, yeah. including candles, whips, uh, and uh, repeatedly chloroformed. Uh-huh. Yeah, he said like every time he woke up, it was just rag to the face. Right. Rag to the face. Rignall would, leave, would live to tell the story. He, he was actually left on the steps at a park, and the next morning he was all hazy, like what the hell happened? Obviously, he felt as though he had been sexually assaulted. Um, he would end up going to the police, and he was able to retrace. Before going to the police, he retraced his steps as much as he could remember, like little right. glim- little glimmers here and there of memory yeah. of that night. He remembered what Gacy's car looked like. Um, so he basically went around the neighborhood, the area of where he thought he'd been driven that night, yeah. and, and just basically looked for just a for vehicle like yeah. that, and he found it. He found what he believed to truly be the car, right. wrote down the license plate, found out who lived there, and reported it to the police. Uh, the police actually got on got on the case then at that point. They issued a warrant, and Gacy was arrested on July 15th. He was facing an impending trial for a battery charge. Hmm. And uh, d- around this time, things are starting to stack against him because this right. is when he 
This is the final murder we're going to get to here. This is the one that ends up taking him down. He picked the wrong kid this time. On December 11th, 1978, a boy named Robert Peast worked at a grocery store called Nissan Pharmacy. Um, he was a great student. He had good parents. Uh, he was a gymnast in high school, super hard worker. Yeah, he, he was. Uh, at the time, he was saving to buy a Jeep. That was his big goal. Yeah. He was about Very to turn motivated. Six, he was about to turn 16, and before he turned 16, he wanted to have a Jeep. Exactly. Who um, doesn't? Yeah. And it just so happened that Gacy was going to Nissan Pharmacy that day to basically do a bid Put for a con- yeah. contracting bid for some work that needed to be done at the pharmacy. Right. Um, Peast was working when Gacy was there. Gacy had his eye on him. Um, Peast basically wanted a job that paid more so he could get his Jeep faster. Yeah, and Gacy paid almost twice what he was making. Right. He had overheard. Example. Yeah. He was he was busy working while Gacy was there, but he had overheard right. Gacy talking to someone at the store mentioning yeah. that his employees got paid five dollars an hour, which was actually twice. Which Gacy was probably looking at him. My employees exactly. make five dollars an hour. But he goes over the, the microphone, give me that he goes to the checker. Like, five dollars an hour. <laughs> yeah. Gacy was like, sir, you can't you can't do that. Right. You can't. Um Peast, but this is kind of crazy how this happened. So uh Gacy Bids the thing. Right. He leaves. He actually is halfway, uh, halfway it's home. It's like 10 miles away from his house. Too. Yeah. He's halfway home from doing the bid, driving like a maniac like he does. Right. And he realizes that he had forgotten his uh, his notepad, which all with all his business ledger, basically. He right. left it back at the grocery store. Yep. And by a crazy twist of fate, he went back to the grocery store. And Rob Peast happened to be going through the parking lot. Yep. Taking out some trash. Yeah. Gacy approached him. Rob mentioned that he had uh, overheard a $5 an hour job and he would love to have it. And yep. Gacy asked him if he would uh, meet him after his shift. Gacy said, I'll hang around until after your shift and we can talk about that job or whatever. Right. Just meet me out here. And so he, uh, he's like, all right. So basically every night, Rob P's mom would come pick him up from work. Right. And, uh, you know, it was actually her birthday that night as well. And she was there at the store during all this. Yeah. So like, she gets to the store to pick him up. And he tells her, he tells his mom, "I'm going to go talk to this guy about a job." Yeah. And she says, "Okay, I'll be walking around the store." Um, Rob goes out, talks to Gacy in the parking lot, and his salesman kicks in and once again. Somehow he convinces Peace to get in the truck with him, and he's got to go back to the house. Like, we got to go back to my house. I've got papers you can sign, and then I'll, you know, you got the job. Right. And he's so excited, Rob Peace being about getting this job that pays twice yeah. as much. And he's thinking about how fast he can get this Jeep, and he's telling Gacy like. It's my mom's birthday. I really, you know, can we do this another time? And right. Like, you Gacy know, Gacy sold it, man. Just convinced him the whole time. He like, was like, look, he's like, do you want the job ha- or not? It's $5 an hour. Come back to my house. Like well, basically threatening that. him not to get. I mean, he pulled out a little more, a little more charm, uh, charm than that. He was like, you know, how happy would your mom be? Yes. If you came home making twice what you were making, you we, know, how responsible would that look for her? That's a real gift right there. Yeah. You know, like he really sold this shit. And though. he convinced him that it was only going to be like quick 30, 40 minutes. We'd be back. We'd, right. You know, we'll get you the paperwork and you'll be, you'll basically be a shoe and you got the job. Yep. I saw how hard you were working. Exactly. And so they get back to the house and that's where he pulls the handcuffs and the rope trick. Yep. And initially he had put the handcuffs on him. He had tricked him into the handcuffs and like, Rob started crying, and Gacy like had a moment of, I guess, sympathy a bit of for a heart, him. Maybe a little bit of a heart for a second, yeah. and actually took the handcuffs off. And Rob was like, "Man, you scared me! I thought I thought you were gonna kill me." And he's like, "No, no, no!" And they start heading towards the door to go back to drop him off at uh, at his mom's house for the right. birthday. And as Rob is like got his hand on the door to leave, Gacy comes up with the rope from behind and strangles him. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, and but as we alluded to. This was the wrong boy. This boy was, yep. it, it, there was, 
as far as the police standpoint, when the parents of Rob Peace, they, he also had very determined parents. So once once the kid didn't, their kid didn't come home that night on yeah. his mom's birthday, you know, the whole family, something's not right here. This is right. not like our son to do this. Exactly. Um, and they knew his mom had known who had been last seen with him or who was, he basically, yeah. Rob was smart enough to say, I'm meeting a guy, his business is called PDM Contracting. Yep. Yep. That's right. And it took, it took someone like Robert Peast to, to finally get the cops attention. You know, it had to be somebody perfect, right. somebody driven, somebody with a future and right. not saying these other boys didn't, but apparently yeah. the cops didn't think so. You know, they weren't really, I mean, you know, the yeah. boys must've had things in their lives that made them consider that they would just be runaways. Right. Which is hard to believe that that many boys, but yeah. So when, when Peace's family went to the police and reported him, um, I guess the police that took the report, and had to relay that to the de- detectives. Right. He looked at it, and he's like, this just doesn't scream to me uh, as a case of runaway. This, yeah. to, I'm looking at everything here. I'm seeing how determined his parents are. I'm seeing that they're being genuine by telling me that our boy would never do this. Yeah. Um, and they would actually kind of push that along to the detectives, like, look, I think you need to look more into this one. This isn't your normal you know, a kid comes up missing case in this town. They, right. And it didn't take much convincing once he met the family. He was like, okay, right. whoa. Exactly. You know, there's something, something going on here. Yeah. So the police would, uh, they, the family would inform them that they, be, they believe John Wayne Gacy may be the person. And that night, actually, Robert Peace's uh, father would actually call and leave a voicemail on Gacy's phone at his house. Yeah. They were that fast right on to him. Yep. And the police would look into Gacy, and that's when they actually found out finally. Because look, there were times throughout this whole killing spree that he was doing where they were seeing business associates of him uh, come up missing. Yeah. And they had gone out and talked to him a couple of times. We don't want to act like the police were completely ahead in the sand here. Right, right, they right. did go out there and talk to him, but basically Gacy would deny it completely and say, no, man, he took off. He left town. Right. I gave him his last check and he was gone. Yeah. And the police are going, all right. Okay. Okay. You know, we got no evidence here. Yeah. The body's gone. No one, no one's found the body. Uh, so, yeah. okay. <laughs> you yeah. know, and Gacy was charming and probably freaking had a beer with him and completely convinced him that he had nothing to do with it. Right. Um, however, this one is another link here where Gacy was supposedly the last one seen with this boy or supposed to have been the last one seen. Right. And the boy's gone. And so the police end up contacting him, asking him to come in. Um, but he also had a weird coincidence happen where he, the same night he killed Rob Peast, his uncle died. And right. so there was, he's running around with family. He doesn't even get the body down in the crawl space. The body's up in the attic and uh, the police are on his case. He ends up um, taking the body. He makes a, an appointment to meet with the appointment. You shouldn't, yeah. it should be come in now. We need right. to talk about this. But he's John Gacy. So he convinces him, I can't talk now. I'll come in, it'd say 10 30 tonight. Yeah. And so he makes a, uh, an agreement that he's going to come in and talk and he's going to right. tell his side or whatever. Exactly. And, but in the meantime, he's got to get rid of Rob Peace's body. So he puts uh, Rob in the, bu- the trunk of his car and he's going to dump his body off on the way to go meet with the police right. and talk about the fact that he has nothing to do with this. The Des Plaines River. The, yeah. The Des Plaines. So he goes to a bridge and it's, this is freaking March in Chicago. It's snow right. everywhere. Right. And uh, he dumps the body off the bridge and he's driving to the police station to make his statements. Yeah. And, driving like a maniac in the snow, <laughs> and he actually loses control of his car and wrecks and spends yeah. hours trying to get his car out <laughs> in the mud 
and ends up actually getting towed. He even tried the old spare trick, take the spare tire out. Right. Some of you guys live up north, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Put the spare tire underneath the back tire to get some traction. Yep. Didn't work. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll go with it. Yeah. Um, he ends up showing up to the police off, uh, police station, not at 1030, like he'd said, but about 3 a.m. in the morning. Right. Obviously, the police are not waiting around for him anymore, but it is noted that he's covered in mud, which yeah. doesn't look good. <laughs> if you're maybe suspected in a missing boy coming up and, right. and you show up like five hours late and you're covered in mud, that doesn't look good. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But he, he nonetheless, but, he tells them, okay, the police aren't here. I'll come back in the morning. Right. So he comes back. And he's doing his whole Gacy spiel, denying everything. But the police, are, are they've had it with his bullshit. They've looked up into his history. They've seen yep. that he had a sodomy charge in Iowa and where he should have spent 10 years, but he got off in 18 months. And they're yep. seeing now links between all of these boys that work for him that have been missing. They're finding these because also important to note that around this time, uh, his buddy, his roommate, his, his uh, yeah. employee, Michael Rossi, is calling the police as well and discussing with them the fact that he thinks it's weird that guys that he used to work with for PDM right. contracting all of a sudden came up missing. And didn't Cram get picked up for questioning as well? Yes. And Cram so told So people them, are talking as well during this time. Yeah, it's funny because Cram told them about like all the IDs. Like one of the questions they asked him yeah. was like, do you ever see anything odd around like, hey, Gacy's house? And he's like, yeah, a bunch of wallets. Right. Guys a that I used of, to know and they're gone. But right. <laughs> I've never seen them before. Never seen them again. Right. But yeah, he like he would ask to use the IDs of the, of the people and he's like, oh no, you can't use those. Those, those right. people are deceased. There's one he wouldn't even lie about it. He's like, those people are deceased. Yeah, there's one scene in the movie Gacy that I watched, the theatrical movie, and uh, there's one scene where uh, the guy that's living with him, it might have been Michael Rossi, uh, the guy playing him in the movie, was late for work one morning, and uh, basically Gacy takes out this box filled with watches. And he, it's because it, Michael had made the excuse that his watch was broken, and that's oh. why he was late to work. So he goes, come here. <laughs> he pulls Brings him into his little bar area, and he's got a box filled with watches. And oh he's like, pick gosh. one. Pick one. Pick one. They don't want them back, trust me. Yeah, so as we said, the police aren't buying it. They're pretty damn sure. They're, I'd honestly say, like, from what I could tell from the book that we read, the police knew this motherfucker. The lead detectives is, were convinced at this time. Yeah. They're like, this is our guy. We just got to figure out uh, figure out how we're going to prove it. Right. We got to get into his house. Exactly. And so they, they obtain a search warrant based off of the, pre- the previous sodomy charge and the fact that he was the last person to be seen yep. with a boy that is currently missing. Um. So they go to his house, and some of the stuff they found in the house we talked a little bit about. They found IDs. They found rings, watches, handcuffs, a two-by-four with holes drilled drilled in the ends, a syringe, clothing too small to fit him, um, two pistols, and a photo receipt from the pharmacy where Robert Priest had worked. Peast. Peast. So they didn't really think much of it when they found this. They found, uh, like, a photo receipt for to pick up photos from... The mm-hmm. photo development department. As far as what they knew about the receipt now, it really didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything. Yet. They didn't know the link yet. They didn't know that exactly. that was Robert Peast's property, technically. Right. Um, the way it turned out was basically that receipt was in his jacket pocket because a girl that he worked with was wearing his jacket. He was that kind of guy. If she was cold, he was going to let her borrow his jacket. Yeah. And she had had some tickets that she wanted to print. She put them in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Even though she didn't need that, she was just wanted a reason to talk to him. Right, because she had a crush on Robert. Yeah. She just wanted that in. Um, the police were convinced now, even further, that they were correct and that this guy was involved in some shady shit, that he was definitely involved in uh, Robbie coming up missing, yep. Rob Peast. And so they would assign two two-man surveillance teams to follow him everywhere he went. And 
if he's doing shady shit, they're going to see it. They're going to catch him in the act. Yeah. Um, and this is one of my favorite parts about the Gacy story is the, right. is this is so like something only he could yeah, do, you know, for what, sure. he's, he must've been a charming bastard or just like be, make you comfortable to be around with his stupid little jokes. And it's just like, yeah. like we talked about how he's just a frumpy little man. He turned just, this surveillance team into his own personal posse. Yeah. <laughs> so right around, like, this is my bodyguard. So they're clashing at first. He's trying to avoid them. Yeah. Like he's driving like a maniac and you try to catch him off guard as they were sitting out in front of his house. He tried to pull out of his driveway and just take off so fast. Right. And, and keep in mind, they're not, he can pretty much get away with any, um, misdemeanor shit right now. They're not pulling him over for exactly. these little minor infractions. They right. want to get him for the real deal. Exactly. And so they're letting it go. And but it just somehow, some way, he's Gacy, and he ends up hanging out with these guys that were basically supposed to be watching him. He's like, I mean, they're drinks and shit. Yeah, they're watching him, but they're going to dinner together, <laughs> hanging out, drinking together. Right. It's ridiculous. He's ha- he's actually having them over to his house for dinner, <laughs> which ends up costing him because on one of these nights when he has them over for dinner, he he cooks fish, of course, because that's the stinkiest thing that can try and disguise the scent of his house. Right. And one of the detectives goes to take a leak in his bathroom, and the furnace kicks on, and it kicks up a smell, which he, as someone who's been in the police field for a long time right. recognizes only to be a rotting corpse of a yep. human being and so that uh, begins the reasoning for another search warrant yeah part of why i mean they, yeah. they already which is which is a really bad reason for a search warrant honestly i smelled something that smelled yeah. like a body that's that's pretty crazy you could you could see how the law enforcement and the judges and everything were were on that side right of the story like they were convinced this is this is the guy right because you don't give a search warrant for a foul odor yeah like that just i don't think that happens well that often. that and also the fact that they'd been talking to michael rossi and he told michael rossi told the police so you got a combination of things it's not yeah. just the cop smelling what he thought yeah. was bodies but that was the but, main basis of this but michael rossi had also order. told them that he had dug holes underneath the down in the crawl space yeah 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 for gacy and so that also too didn't he yeah so they're hearing from people that have been around gacy a lot that he's making employees that he's making them dig holes down there so that's getting their mind going like well what's down there why is why are they digging holes down in the crawl space yeah so that combined with the cop smelling what he was sure to be human flesh rotting um started the whole process of them getting another search warrant to search underneath the house right and so Gacy catches wind that they're on to a second search warrant, and it's coming. It's imminent. It's it's coming very soon, and he knows that it's all coming to an end. Right. And he would end up going. This is late December. We're coming up on Christmas of 78. Um, he would go one night and convince his uh, his attorneys, even though it's Christmas time, to come in. He wants yeah. to tell them something. And they're like, Gacy, come on. It's Christmas. Right. I just had a kid. His lawyer's not digging it. And, he, and he's late for this appointment as well. Yeah, he shows up late. Freaking attorneys had it, um, but he—that would be one of the craziest nights of his life. As uh, Gacy would end up spilling the beans, telling him everything, telling him drunkenly. He asked for uh, some whiskey and just chugged like I guess like the equivalent of like two beers worth of whiskey, yeah. and then had a drunken just tirade about how he had killed thirty people, young boys, and they were under his crawl space. And of course, the, yeah, just telling the story like a camping trip too. Yeah, like it's, it's not some big scene. Like he's just chilling. He never seemed to. That's one thing that Amarante would talk about in the book a lot is that yeah. he never seemed to grasp how serious what he was saying was, or like the situation. Yeah. Like even in court when he was on trial for these murders, he was just kind of like looked like he was watching a TV show on somebody else's trial. Like right. not him. It wasn't about him. Yeah, very strange. Did not get him flustered at all. He would also tell uh, his defenders that 
he had an evil alias by the name of Jack Hanley, which right. was actually doing the murders. It wasn't John Gacy. It was Jack Hanley. Which was came. based on a past uh, boss that he had. Really? Yeah. Do you know that? No, I didn't yeah, know it that. Was, it, he based it on a past, one of his past bosses that working at, some when he was a cook, like when he was first out uh-huh. of prison, I think, or something like that. Like yep. he really looked up to this guy, mm-hmm. and he made up this alter ego for him, where he was like a detective and fighting like real high profile crimes and stuff, or killing young boys. No, not that. He took that on his own. <laughs> <laughs> he actually looked up to his boss. Okay. Yeah. Well, then why did he name himself that as he was killing kids? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's Casey for you. That's right. And so he tells them everything. Um, and the next day, he would go on a farewell tour. He had kind of alluded right. to his lawyers during the confession that it didn't matter because he was going to take care of this himself. Yeah. He was going to solve the issue. It was basically, he just kept saying. Right. You know, he wanted to stay in control of the situation, just like we've seen with serial killer after serial killer. Right. It's like once they get to the end, they still want control. Right. If they're going to go down, they're going to go down their way. So he was planning to kill himself, and the next day, he went on a farewell tour, went around uh, everyone he... Viewed as a friend. Everyone. Michael Rossi, some guy at the gas station that he always frequented. (laughs) And he was driving even more erratic, apparently, like a freaking lunatic. He's driving, like, endangering everyone on the roads. Right. Um, And around this time, the second search warrant is issued. I believe it was the next day after his confession. Yep. And that's where you see his famous footage. You can see, like, people piled around Gacy's house. So many newscasts. As they exhume body after body, and they were just putting numbers by these corpses that were found down in there. They'd find a skeleton, and they would put just a number until later on they could get the medical examiner to uh, identify if they could, if they could find a match from a missing child to the body that they found. Between December 22nd and December 29th, right through the Christmas week, Mm. um, 27 bodies would be recovered from Gacy's property. Uh, 29 would ultimately be deco- uh, uncovered from his property as a whole. Right. There was the one in the front, the one in the back, under the driveway. Um, three would end up being found in the river because he would tell yeah. that he would tell them where to I think look. That was the last three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he but just I think there was one out of room. I think he? there was one that he claimed to have thrown in the river that they they never did find because if you added up 29 to three, that's 32. He had 33 that he was tried for. Right. He's known to have been proven to have killed 33. Um, there was 26 in the crawl space that they had found. Um, and then we get to the trial. So there we go. They find all those bodies. Obviously, he's indicted on the murder charges for those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's brought to trial on February 6th, 1980. He's charged with 33 murders. And the book we read was, it, it's like 15 chapters on, on the whole trial. And basically, yeah. the gist of it, we don't have to go into all of it, but the gist of it was his defense convinced Gacy to, that his only chance was to plead insanity. And they were going right. to do spend their entire time on trial, not trying to convince the jury that he is innocent, but and more that he was so crazy that he didn't have any say over whether right. he did this or not. It was uncontrollable to I'd him. I'd like to take a second to talk about this, though. Okay. Because like this is the this is the whole shebang right here. Like these these defense lo- lawyers, like they believed that yeah. he was insane. They're not just like going, "Oh, well, this is the only way you're going to get off." No, these these gentlemen genuinely believed. That this man was insane. What's um, crazy is that even the prosecution kind of acknowledged that he was crazy, but they're saying, is he crazy enough to get the insanity plea and, right. and to be, instead of in prison, to be sitting in a psych ward somewhere? Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, at but, what point is crazy crazy enough? I mean, it's pretty crazy to kill 30 people regardless. You, you, a normal person doesn't do that. Right. But was he in full awareness of what he was doing at the time, or was it uncontrollable to where... 
he didn't even know what happened the next day type of situation. Exactly. And that's the way it seemed to come across, even in private when he was with his lawyers. Like when he, he almost had like a, like a, almost, he had a, a supposed heart attack at one point. Right. It was almost like he was being taken over by another person when he was telling about these murders. Yeah. And then, like, he blacked out right afterwards. Right. It was almost like an overload for his brain. Like, he just completely blacked out. Well, here's a good he example. Very drunk, but it's funny that he got the whole story out. Right. And then he blacks out and then he wakes up and he has no recollection that he's told him any of that shit. Right. Well, here's a good example. After they had found all the bodies and they had arrested him and he was sitting in the jail waiting to be transferred and whatnot. Right. He was talking to his lawyer, and he's like, I think I'm going to fake a heart attack. And his lawyer's like, don't oh, do that, John. Yes, what are you doing? Is... Don't do that. Yeah. And so like 20 minutes goes by, and he's just got his head down in his lap, and then all of a sudden he flops on the floor, and he's having what looks like a seizure. Guys, and this is not just like he's just acting. like He's having physical responses. His body is physically responding to what his brain is telling to him to do. To the point where... The lawyer that he had just told that he was going to fake a heart attack still believed he still that believed he was having, he was a, having heart a heart attack. attack. Yeah, <laughs> he was like banging on the door, screaming. He's like, "Call, call a medic, call nine one one." He's like, "Dude's having a heart attack." Eyes were bulging, face was blue, literally yeah. foaming at the mouth. Yeah, that's pretty impressive acting. Literally, he's acting foaming at the mouth. No, that's my opinion. You're you on think the he kept some side. baking soda? This whole time, when I was listening to the book uh, from Sam Amarate, yeah. and he's saying. I still believe he had some kind of a physical change and he yeah. had, maybe he didn't have a heart attack, but he had some kind of self brought on. So you don't think that your mind I think is capable of doing he that? He was very manipulative and he was very good at acting because he was fake his whole life and he was forced to lie his whole life. Being a homosexual and being in the closet and not wanting to be that, he was forced to lie throughout his whole life. What if he, he got had really the, good at that stuff. What if he had the capability of unlocking that sort of thing though? I mean, you've heard of people that can climb Mount Everest in shorts. Like, Right, How, they can control their own body temperature. If you can control your own damn body, well, temperature, regardless, do you think he was insane enough to? Do you think that he should have been given the death penalty, or do you think he should have gotten off on insanity and been locked up somewhere? Which, also a part of the um, prosecution, they mm-hmm. brought on a they brought on a um, psychologist onto the stand and had I, talked to him, and he corrupted the whole jury. By the way, so yeah. he had a moment where he said, um, so the prosecution asked him. If he is got, if he gets off on insanity and he's he gets sent to, um, you know, a psych ward or whatever, a psych ward, yeah, uh, will he be retained there forever, or will he get out? And right. the the doctor basically said, well, I mean, we can't physically because of constitution, we can't physically hold him against his will if he's not incarcerated, and so there's a chance he may be able to just yeah. leave, right. And, and that, they're like, well, the eyes well, of the jury, if they <laughs> were taking cons- that chance, right? The jury, if they're thinking any at all, like, well, we maybe we'll give him insanity and then he'll just, he won't be able to get help. Right. He'll get help. That all that went out the window. They go, oh, well, the idea of this guy walking the streets, I'm not cool with that. Yeah, that's way worse. Right. Absolutely. And so the defense team tried to throw this guy's thing out. They wanted a new jury after this. They wanted a whole retrial. Yeah. Because of what this uh, psychologist had said on the stand that they felt corrupted the whole jury. Right. Which that wasn't exactly how it works. Like if he would have gotten on sanity, he it, he was a risk to the public, which is part of what keeps yep. you that's right in a psych ward and that you know. So exactly. he was he basically lied up there on the stand. Like Gacy wouldn't have gotten out because he is in fact a threat to the yeah, public. Yeah, he would have been a high security psych ward. He would not be yeah. He wouldn't be getting out. No. No. He'd be given some little candy pills in the morning and he'd be yeah. staring at the wall for the rest of his life. Yeah, painting clowns and shit. Now, I still say he should have gotten what he got because I think he was in full awareness. He covered his tracks the whole way through. Right. He he 
I feel like there was premeditation. Or did premeditation. Jack Hanley cover his tracks? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I feel like he premeditated just about all of them. He knew he right. uh, he tried his damnedest to cover everything up. He knew he was well aware of what he was doing, and he continued to do it. I think he was a okay. piece of shit human being, and he received ultimately the jury decided that he should be killed, and that's what he gets. You know, uh, I I don't know. I still think he was miswired from the beginning, man. I think like uh, when I heard the story about him burying the clothes at five years old, yeah, it just it just hit me weird. Like almost gave me chills, like hearing about it because I'm like, maybe in his mind he kind of didn't mature past five or seven years old as far as his his id, what right. he wants, right? It, it, you know, I don't know what I'm, what word I'm looking for is, but I feel like maybe just like if a, if a, if an adult person comes to you and they say, you know, I'm gonna shoot you in the head. Right. And they go get a gun and they come in there and kill you. That's first degree murder. They know what they're doing. Yeah. But you see it you see it all the time where kids get into their father's gun cabinet or something. They're yeah. like, "Hey, check this out." And they accidentally shoot their friend. How can you compare that like to that. Gacy? No, I'm just saying, listen. Okay. That if you if you look at Gacy like a 7-year-old, you see what I'm saying? In that situation, he's he's acting like, "Oh, cool. Check this out. Oh, shit. I just killed somebody." You know what I'm trying to do, say? I know what you're saying, but do you believe Almost that? like, to a certain extent, I kind of do. I'm now, not saying he's any you, less to, guilty to, or to, he's a good person or anything. I'm just saying that. Now, to get on board with you just for a second for the sake of arguing, you know. Okay. Just. I hope I'm there, making sense. Am I making sense? No, totally. There okay. was times where we talked about these um, people that worked for him that had run-ins with him and close calls. Yeah. That later uh, talked about it. And they one thing they said was that, there was like it was out of nowhere, and it was just like right. something snapped in him. You and mean all like of a, sudden, a temper tantrum? One of them said he was actually like grunting as he was grabbing them and like manhandling him, like like an animal almost. Like, yeah. Grr. and it was yeah. like something. like a seven year old would do maybe. If yeah, he got pissed off at somebody. You see what I mean? And then being a clown gave him an opportunity to act youthful and playful and like a kid again. Right. And he was attracted to young younger boys. You know what I mean? Like it's like a. I don't know. I just feel like his brain had had recessed back to like an earlier age, or never passed a certain age, maybe. Also, to his to just to keep on that insanity part, twenty uh, six year old Jeffrey Rignall. Remember the guy that he put the chloroform on, yeah, uh, yeah. and and molested him that night, right. and, and left him at the park and all that. He actually on the stand was questioned by the defense and asked if he believed that he was in his right mind and he knew what he was doing. And Rignall said, "No, I don't think that was even him." On the stand, he said that, that. is, yeah, that's what almost every he, person that encountered him or encountered him in that state said. They're there like, was a there was a guy that worked for him that was I don't remember which one it was because there were yeah. several of them, but there was one that had worked for him for a while, and he was he said Gacy was like a father to him. He was great, and then right. one night they were in the garage, and he bent down to get something, and Gacy hit him in the back of the head with a ball peen hammer. Yeah, and he and he was about to hit him again, and he's like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" He like you know the kid put his hand up and like grabbed the hammer, and Gacy yeah. like snapped out of it and was like apologized and like helped him fix his head and it's just like those are the things that yeah, make me wonder right because like he wouldn't have been doing that for any like reason for later defense he was right. doing that because that's who he was so yeah i don't know man it's pretty crazy he was described by his lawyer throughout the trial as a jekyll and hyde jekyll and hyde type character oh, where yeah. you know he was one one thing during the day and then a completely different thing yeah if you flip that switch so all in all, Gacy was convicted of 33 murders and given 12 death sentences. Right. That's a lot of times to die. And that would end up making him the most prolific serial killer in the U.S. to that point. He would later be replaced by Gary Ridgway, the Green River killer. Right. Um, 
he would end up sitting on death row in Chester, Illinois for 14 years where he, hmm. life goes on. Gacy, you know, he made his way. Yeah. Uh, he kept a meticulous log of every moment of every that day. so weird. While in prison. And it, it like was Like every conversation. Too. Everything. Everyone he talked to. Well, how, how like interesting could it have been? He's in prison. Like he's like, okay, I got right. up. I talked to the guy next to me in the cell. And then I, I went to. I wonder how specific he was. Right. You know, farted at 2.30 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Couldn't finish my mac and cheese. Tasted right. like shit again. They're not letting me cook. Yeah. While in prison on death row, he would completely have, you know, we talked about how he had confessed everything previously, but now right. he changes his tune and mm-hmm. he finds Christ and right. wants to take back everything he had done, starts making all the excuses in the world. He starts saying that his... His crawl space was, it smelled because of mildew from the water coming in. <laughs> Listen, and, those bones, never mind those. Right. And right. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't find any bodies. And the, the right. smell was just because he had a little dog that would piddle. He literally says, yeah, you know, you know how you can imagine how much if your dog piddles and then the furnace piddles. turns on. It, it, piddles? <laughs> that's the word he used. This from, from the horse's is, mouth, what right? What is that? <laughs> um, he also he does tons of interviews. He's loving the attention that he gets. Um, he also is drawing, painting up clowns and selling them right. at top dollar. Oh yeah, really Van Gogh uh, quality. No, it was dog shit. Oh, really oh. shitty paintings. Well, art is in the uh, beholder, Lauren. Well, not if you talk to the family members of the victims, because they would actually have a ceremony with all of his paintings and burn them later. Right. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome. Yeah, they they the, there was video of that. They looked pretty. Uh, Why should he benefit from intense? The fact that he was a creep who killed a bunch of teenage boys. That's true. Like, why should he be able to make money selling paintings because of that? Because no one would buy his paintings off of merit. No one's buying them because they were great paintings. They're buying them because it's a piece of history, in a sense, or, like, it's eerie. It's eerie that the guy, the hands that strangled a bunch of boys are drawing this piece of shit clown. Right, right. Um, His execution, let's go into that, and then we'll finish out with some just... Round, round the table conversation about this whole case. Cool. On the morning of May 9th, 1994, Gacy was transferred to the Menard Correctional Center to Statesville Correction Center in Crest Hill to be executed. Uh, his last meal. This is, uh, this is always fun to hear these. Yeah. For his last meal, he ordered what other than a bucket of KFC. What else would the colonel order, Lauren? I would be ashamed if he didn't. I mean, not ashamed. I'd, I'd get I'd Popeyes. Be, I'd be very disappointed. I'd get Popeyes, man. You like Popeyes more? Hell yeah. I don't know if I like either of them. Popeye's chicken is the shiznit. That's right. So he got a bucket of KFC, a dozen fried shrimp, French fries, fresh strawberries, and a Diet Coke. You know, because you got to watch your calories when you're eating a bucket of fucking (laughs) KFC. (laughs) When you're about to get executed. I'd be like, fuck, dude, bring me that that Mexican Coke, bro. I want that real sugar. He must just like like the flavor of fucking aspartame or whatever is in that shit. (laughs) Because I, like, you get a bucket of KFC and then you're gonna worry about a diet coke when you're about to die. It is interesting. Though. Maybe he just liked the taste. Do you think he thought he was gonna die for real, or was that part of his disorder? Because uh, apparently, well, people... he was extremely delusional about his existence. So someone talk, went to him for an interview, like short, like an hour before he was gonna die. They wanted right. to talk to him on the phone, and he's like, "Can I call you back in like a few hours?" And they're like, "Yeah, no, no dude, you're gonna they're be like, dead." No, no, uh, John, you're gonna you're gonna be dead in, in about forty seven minutes. You you will be literally dead. You'll be literally dead. Yeah, so you can't call me back in a few right. hours. No. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. So And John was like, okay, well, send me an email. <laughs> <laughs> right? Shoot me a DM. <laughs> hey, couldn't you just text me this? Send I mean, me them news. <laughs> um, so we talk about his final meal. His final words, kiss my ass. Of course they were. 
very Gacy. Is it? I expect him to tr- say something Some like more clever. uppity. I thought I expect him to say something uppity. It wasn't me. It was no, like I don't know. Shaggy said it best. Something it where he tries to be like really uh, theoretic, uh, not theoretical. Fuck, what am I looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Like, dumb. Inspiring. Inspiring. Like try to say something deep and inspiring. Really? And encouraging. Casey? Yeah, I figure like he would. I figure he'd try to sell to... something with his last words, like try to sell some shoes. <laughs> but no, kiss my ass. That's all he's got. Of course, man. Maybe there was a hidden meaning behind it, you know? No. You know, he just wanted somebody to kiss his ass. He's a moron. Oh, fair enough. His death was confirmed at 12.58 a.m. on May 10th, 1994. There was a giant party there, of course, to celebrate. Oh, yeah. They call it the Gacy's Day Parade, I believe. I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Oh, is that for real? <laughs> no. For, oh, you're not playing off the Macy's Day Parade? No, thing? I wish I was that clever. Oh, well, you just lost some clever points in my yeah, book. Right now. No, I totally made that up, bro. You did? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I believe you again. Um, after he was presumed dead, his brain was actually taken to be examined by a professional for abnormalities. There were no abnormalities. Bullshit. He had a normal brain. Bullshit. From one of his one of his what cro- they could one see of the crooked, in ninety four. One of the crooked crevices in his brain went straight. Yeah. Right between the should I do this and I'm gonna do it thing. <laughs> right. The part that says don't kill boys. That was yeah. missing. <laughs> Wow. You just went. You just went right all the way into it. Yeah. You just. You like. You're like. Just in case you guys aren't clever enough to get a joke, I'm just gonna throw it out all out there. I don't know what you're talking about. I guess. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. We've gotten silly. We have. John Wayne Gacy. It's been a good time. I'd say next to Richard Ramirez is probably the funniest or not funniest. The fun, <laughs> funnest. It was the funniest. It was the funniest. No. Uh, it's been Bob a while. Rodella obviously some. Favorites. Obviously some tragic shit happened. He killed a lot of young boys. <laughs> We're not trying to make light of that. No. 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 But he was a freaking character you know gacy bordella like you just want to make fun of them that's why we're laughing half the time it's not in in we try not to be in vain of the victims but no no not at all we don't take but that I, lightly he was know. a literal clown like forget the makeup and like dressing up as a clown like the guy was a clown as a person right you know he was fake with everybody he tried to just he, he cared so much about what everybody liking yeah. him and needing him and and he yet ultimately couldn't shake his own demons in the end and that came back to bite him and he did interviews later denying everything and so, so it was wh- sad to see in the end so in closing why do you think he killed why do you think i mean i told you about his psyche that i think power i think it was power i think um, it was just power i think he hated homos- but why but why did he want power it, more than anything i think it was the fact that he was homosexual in denial and he hated himself for that much like bonin much like randy craft much like many of the guys we've studied Berdella. yeah Berdella but- was more out but i Gacy claimed the whole time that he hated. He'd say, "I hate fags." I'm like the the cherry pickers, yeah. uh, fruit pickers. I'm not I'm, a fruit picker. He that was, he was adamant about never being homosexual. He would say, at the most, he would say he was bisexual. Right. Um, but he hated that part of himself. The fact, the true fact was that he was gay. He mm-hmm. couldn't handle that. I mean, he grew up in a tough time to be gay. I'll, definitely. I was just about no to say, denying is that he, his dad he's was another wrong. victim of the time period. He was sure. a victim of the time period. His dad, and to say Gacy was a victim, it's. We're, Trust me, he's a piece of shit. But right. we're trying to say is that it couldn't have been easy to be him growing up. His dad was very rough on him. He was a hard time to be gay anyway. Yeah. And I think he grew to hate who he truly was. And he would take that out on young boys that were also gay and kind of maybe... maybe well, not necessarily all of them were gay. No, I'm not saying that, but that's right. my theory. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I really think... I mean, I think there's a lot of that. Obviously, I think it's a it's it's a recipe for disaster. Right. Either way, but 
I, I really, I don't know. I see a lot of, I feel like I see a lot of gay men growing up that way though, with some resentment from their fathers, especially in that time period. Yes. Yeah. I, I see that. I, I feel like that happened a lot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not trying to speak for anybody, but I feel like if you were a gay male growing up in that time period, it was very rough for you. Right. And so for, for him to kill 33 people at least, right. I feel like there's something else. That's why I just keep going back to that. It was that. compulsive, for I, sure. I go back to that miswiring, man. It's just like something. I think once he killed the first guy with the knife, the guy that was making him breakfast, it triggered yeah. It triggered something, for sure, and yeah. he liked it. He liked the power of it and the control, right. and he couldn't stop after that. I think it was it, it was implanted in his brain. He was really? going to do this. And it Dude. was the ultimate thrill, as he said, coming yeah. from his own words. Right. It was the ultimate thrill, and uh, he loved power, man. What's, what is a That's, more powerful thing, man, than getting breakfast in bed? I agree one hundred percent. Do you? And with that, let's let's uh, let's put a bow on it. Let's wrap it no up. Pun let's intended. Get... Yeah. John John Wayne Gacy. Because clowns wear bows. Don't. Oh they? my god, that's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back to the present. Hope you guys enjoyed that little uh, little blast from the past. There. That's something that we're going to be regularly doing now. So starting with the oldest, you know, oldest to newest. Once a month on our off week, we're going to start releasing these old Patreon episodes. I think, you know, I think two years old is is fair. You know, I think that's a that's an ample time to wait. I think if you're still a freeloader after the after two years, I think you deserve you deserve it. You deserve to hear what it sounds like. You know, you like those people that just wait for the whole season to come out on Netflix. You deserve it then to binge, right? Right. Okay, great. So we're going to be doing that. Um, what else? What other announcements do we have? Next week will be the Patreon episode that we were going to do this week. Um, it's a really cool case. It has to do with wrestling. It has to do with trust fund babies, I think. I think, I'm think pretty sure this guy was pretty much that. Um, and some of you can probably already guess it from that. Uh, there's a very popular documentary on Netflix about it. So, okay, that's enough hints because you guys are probably already going to get it. But that is coming out next week. So enjoy this, freeloaders. And just know our what used to be our off week, we will now be releasing old Patreon episodes. And you will get to hear yours truly probably talking at the beginning at the end. Okay? Speaking of me talking, if you'd like to join Patreon, you can hear me talking in my other show, Higher Thoughts where I discuss all sorts of interesting uh, oddities in society and and just whatever else comes to the old dome. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Spread the word. Look us up on social media, True Crime Guys on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, True Crime Guys closed group on Facebook. If you don't want your friends knowing that you like True Crime Guys and, that's, and they might think that's creepy or whatever. Speaking of that, my daughter has been wearing one of our Galaxy hoodies. Um, if you guys haven't seen them, it's like the Galaxy print all over hoodie. Uh, they're on our Ken Custom store at kencustom.com slash guys. And uh, she's been wearing it to school and stuff. So I guess it's fine. It's probably fine. It's fine. I don't care. Oh, shit. Speaking of uh, plugs and sponsors and stuff, I almost forgot... The greatest sponsor 
ever. Oh my Gaia. And because this is a freeloader episode, you guys get to hear it, okay? Oh my Gaia. If you don't know what Oh My Gaia is, Oh My Gaia is an innovative and all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. She has tons of scents, guys, from vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk. That's one of my favorites. I'm actually wearing that today. Coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside. Um, she, and she has limited editions, too. So if you go on her site at ohmygaia.com, that's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com, you can check it out, and you'll see sometimes she'll, she's trying out new scents or um, you know she'll just have a limited number of some that she's offering. She wants to see how they do. But uh, true crime guys, as far as we know, is a uh, permanent staple, we hope, Wendy. <clears throat> but it's uh, true crime pine. We are, uh, that is our very own scent, true crime pine. And it has our faces on the, on the jar, it has our old school logo with the headshots. Uh, it's pretty dope. But if you use our code CREEPER, C-R-E-E-P-E-R, you can get 15% off your order. Guys, you will not regret it. The deodorant is light, it goes on easy, the smell is not too strong. It's great, and you're not putting aluminum in your armpits. So, once again, ohmygaia.com, O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com, or at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram. All right, guys, that's it. We hope you enjoyed this uh, blast from the past, like I said. Uh, if you're a Patreon member, maybe you listened again. You know, it's been a long time. It's been two years since you've heard us crack all those stupid Gacy jokes. All right, guys, keep creeping, as always. We'll see you next week, Patreon members. Free bloaters. See you in two weeks. Peace. Keep creeping.